Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. It was a historic moment in television history that many of you may remember. Oprah Winfrey stood on the stage of her show in front of a live studio audience and made the announcement that you get a car and you get a car and you get a car. Everybody gets a car. Who remembers that? Yes, yes, yes. And, 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 and as you're there, right before she said, everybody gets a car, you're probably going, oh, this is amazing. A few people in the audience are getting a car. That's amazing. How generous, right? And then she says, everybody gets a car. So here's what I want you to do with me this morning. I want you to pretend for a moment that you were there in that audience. And you were one of the people among everybody else that were there that got the gift, the announcement of the gift of a car, right? And so you go to the location that the staff member from her show says to go to in order to get your car. And as you're there, you see everybody one by one come, they get their car, and the last person then leaves the lot with a smile of of gratitude on their face because they've got their car. And then it dawns on you to your astonishment that only one-third of the audience actually came to get their car. One-third. And you're going, wait a minute. Like, you know, as we would say today in the 21st century, you say to yourself, like, are you serious? Like, really? So, like, so like one-third, they're not even going to show up, Bill? Like, they do know it's free, right? Now, with that in mind, that experience in your mind, now, travel with me back to the spring of 34 AD. And another group of expectant people are gathered in an upper room in Jerusalem. This group is likely a part of the 500 that Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 6 describes as all seeing Christ appear at one time. It's very likely that where they saw him appear post-resurrection was on the Mount of Olives as he was giving his Great Commission speech right before his ascension, in which he tells them, he gives them the announcement, right? And I want you to imagine the announcement. Sounds something a little bit like this. You get the Holy Spirit, and you get the Holy Spirit, and you get the Holy Spirit. Everybody gets the Holy Spirit. Amen. And, 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 and as they're there listening to this, he then tells them, he follows it up. Now, here's what I need you to do. I need you all to go down the location to Jerusalem, and I need you to wait. Don't try to accomplish this great commission until you have received the gift that I'm providing you in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so we're there. We see them all in the upper room. 
And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, you're looking at Acts chapter 2, but at 1 to 4, the Holy Spirit comes like a mighty rushing wind, as the scripture reading was read so beautifully this morning. Comes like a mighty rushing wind. And then what appears like flames or tongues of fire resting upon the heads of each of the people that were there waiting expectantly for the gift. And then supernaturally, miraculously, each of them begins to speak in the language of other native uh, uh, places on the earth. They all speak in different languages. They're given that ability by the Holy Spirit. Now, as you're there witnessing this experience and you're seeing the smiles of grateful joy on the faces of those that were there receiving the gift, it begins to dawn on you. Wait a minute. Wait one second. There's only 120 people up here receiving this gift. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, said there were 500 of them. So, again, we're now faced with that same question. Are you serious? Like, really? So, the 380 just not even going to show up? They do know he's free, right? Now, you and I know that this experience on the day of Pentecost is what we understand as the early rain outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right? And this Bible-wide story of the good news of the kingdom is not going to end, according to Scripture, until we receive the latter rain outpouring of the Holy Spirit in greater measure. My question just is, are we serious about this? Because, because when I think about this story, I'm, I'm faced with a question. And the question is this. What happens, or what will happen, when we get serious about uniting intentionally in prayer for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Intentionally, uniting in prayer for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe if we want to know what will happen if we do this, then I think we need to go and look at what happened. Amen? So come with me, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse number 5. Let's see, what, let's see what happened, okay? Here's what the Bible says, beginning in verse number 5. Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born?
what we've just witnessed and what you just read, listen, is the reversal of the Tower of Babel story in Genesis chapter 11. Where in this story, God is not now coming down to confuse the a people that were united in rebellion, self-exaltation against God. Uh, no, in this story, he's now uniting, oh, and then scattering, right? Remember, he scatters those people at Tower of Babel among, you know, to form nations and languages and people groups, right? But now in this story, he's uniting the people from among the nations, and he is now putting them, giving them an opportunity through this, the Holy Spirit coming like a mighty rushing wind, right? Sets up the opportunity now for all of them to hear in their own languages the good news of the gospel. And, and, and so now what the Holy Spirit has done is he set up an opportunity where when these people receive this good news, right? These are devout Jews, it says, and converts, we'll say in other translations, they are coming from among the nations, and, and, and so it's, it's literally a setup now for them to receive the good news of the gospel, hear it in their own language, and now take it so it can rapidly spread to the other nations of the world. Yes? Sounds like the Great Commission, doesn't it? Holy Spirit was setting it up so that it could immediately start happening rapidly. And he did it in a way that they could hear the message in their own language. What's going to happen when we intentionally unite in prayer for the seeking? the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in these last days. Well, here's what's going to happen. What's going to happen is, is that the Holy Spirit's going to cause us, right? The Holy Spirit's going to cause us to, to share the message, the good news, in the language of the people. That's what's going to happen. It's going to cause us to communicate the message, the good news, in the language of the people. My wife and I, this past summer, I was on sabbatical. You guys might remember that. I was gone for a little while. And we were traveling from South Carolina back up here to Virginia. On the way, we saw a church. We saw a church, and here's the name of the church. The name of the church was King James Bible Baptist Church. That was the name of the church. Now, I want you guys to understand, I have great respect an appreciation for the King James Version of the Bible. Yes? And what I'm going to share with you is no, is no reflection on the particular denomination or just... What I'm referring to here, guys, is just the name. Okay? King James Bible. I grew up with a great appreciation and respect for the King James Version. Yes? And even though the King James Version is not the most literal word-for-word -word English translation of the original languages of Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, right? It is still a translation that I grew up hearing, yes? It's still a language that I grew up appreciating. It was the first really introduction to the Bible for me in that, uh, that old what, 16th century form of English. Well, watch this. Here is what that congregation, here's what that church's name was communicating to the world. We're not interested in speaking in the language of the people. Rather, we, would, we want the people to be able to appreciate and understand this language that is not being spoken today. Are you hearing that? 
That's what they were communicating with that name. And look, we do this not just with, with language, yes? Like English or whatever. We do this with, with a variety of ways that we communicate today in the 21st century. For, in, for, for example, it would be the equivalent of someone wanting to, or, or, or being fixed on wanting to put an adverti church advertisement in a newspaper today, when most people today readily will respond to a Facebook ad. You, are you hearing that? Speaking in the language of the people. Why did the Holy Spirit choose to use speaking in other languages? Why was that gift the gift that was given on that day? Do you know why? And maybe you've asked this question before. Why don't we see that in the biblical authentic sense? Why don't we see that type of spiritual gift on display more often today? You ever wonder that question? Well, here's what I want to present to you. Here's what I want to suggest to you. I want you to consider that Jerusalem in Judea is situated in the very center of all those nations that are listed in verses 9 to 11, if you're there in your Bible, verse 9 to 11. There's all those surrounding nations there in the known world, right? Okay. Okay. So all these nations are surrounding Jerusalem. Jerusalem is centrally, I believe, providentially located in the very heart, very center, right, of where all these nations are. And so how does, the, how does the gospel get to these nations as quickly as possible? Well, the Holy Spirit had to empower those that received the gospel and were, and were waiting with anticipation for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, early rain outpouring, so that they could then speak in the language of the people so that the gospel can get out as quickly as possible. And I want to tell you that this is exactly the same thing the Holy Spirit is urgently trying to position us for today. We're a very diverse congregation, right? Amen. Over, I believe, 50, 50 nationalities represented here. The world, really, in a sense, is in Northern Virginia and the DMV area. How quickly? If there is a people here in Northern Virginia, here in Vienna, that are seeking the Holy Spirit, how quickly could the gospel go forward through our spheres of influence? Today, we don't have Roman roads, per se, to unite the world. Guess what we do have today? We have the internet and social media. We have to ask the question, are we speaking in the language of the people? Since this pandemic, we are poised right now to spread the gospel rapidly through, the, through online. Have you noticed that? Have you reframed this whole situation with Churches having to sometimes close or shut down or do hybrid approaches to... We're kind of being postured in a place where we have to be virtual, amen? How quickly could you share the good news to hundreds of people in your social media networks? Just click share. Are we speaking in the language of the people? Not our preference. The language of the people. They're there gathered, these people... They're gathered there around this, this upper room, this building, where 120 believers were there. They're speaking in other languages. And it says in the Bible that they, they hear them, them, speaking the wonderful works of God. What was this wonderful works of God that they were speaking in the language of the people? Come with me. Verse 22. Verse 22. 
And let's hear what the Bible has to say. Verse 22. Men of Israel. This is Peter speaking, by the way. Men of Israel. Listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in our, in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up. Amen putting an end to the agony of death. Amen. Since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. What was the wonderful work of God that they were proclaiming? Look, it was the good news about Jesus and his kingdom. His death, burial, and resurrection. And yes, though it's saying that Peter stepped forward to explain to the gathered crowd what was taking place then in the, in the fulfillment of Joel 2, 28 and 29, the Bible says, if you read there, they were all speaking the wonderful works of God in the language of the people. They were all preaching the good news, not just the one that stands before everybody as they're filled with the Holy Spirit. So, so, so notice, if you're reading kind of like uh, verses maybe about 14 down to where we just read there in uh, 22 to 24. I want you to notice some of, the, some of the truths contained in this message of the gospel that Peter preached, okay? I want you just to consider some of the truths highlighted in his message in Acts chapter 2. In verse number, in verse number, eight, in verse number 17, last day events. Verse number 18. What's in this message? Verse number 18 lets us know that the Holy Spirit is spoken of. And again in verse 18, the gift of prophecy. Is this sounding familiar to anybody? But verse number 21, salvation by grace through faith. Verses 24 to 32, resurrection. Verses 29 to 32, the state of the dead. Verse 33, the Trinity, or Godhead. And verse 33 to 34, heaven. Is this sounding familiar to anybody? Yeah, you see, listen guys. You see, the Bible-wide story and message of the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ contains within it many truths. And they all serve to function as a, to basically provide clarity to that overall message. So here's what happens when we start to get serious about uniting intentionally in prayer, asking for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Here's what happens. We begin to speak, we begin to preach the all-encompassing, are you hearing me? All-encompassing good news about Jesus. That's what happens. We preach the all-encompassing good news about Jesus. It's like, it's like a puzzle. You have a puzzle, and there are many different pieces to the puzzle, but when you put the different pieces and you arrange them, you put them together, it, it creates a picture of something beautiful, does it not? 
This is what happens when we begin to understand the framework, the Bible-wide message and story of the good news about Jesus and his kingdom, and we arrange them in their proper order. Guess what? It, it, it begins to portray, it begins to reveal a beautiful picture of the love of God, which draws hearts. Oh, it's quiet in here. Maybe we haven't yet fully seen the beauty of our message in the framework of the Bible-wide story. It's not just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that's the story of the gospel. That's the fulfillment of it in the person, life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The whole Bible is the unfolding story of the good news of the gospel. Listen, family, we have one message. Just one. It's the good news about Jesus and his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That's the message. This is what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 24, 14. As he's talking about last day events, guess what he says? Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached as a witness to all nations, and then shall the end come. The gospel of the kingdom. John, the revelator, he further expounds on this very thing that he heard Jesus say. In Revelation chapter, this is going to sound very familiar to us, 14, 6 to 12. The everlasting gospel. He's just talking about it in its last day context, but it's the same message Jesus was talking about. The everlasting gospel, verse 6. And listen, it's what we call the three angels' message. It's just the same good news of the gospel of the kingdom in the context of the last days. That's what we're reading there in Revelation 14. You see, whatever your teaching, your doctrine, your belief is, that you're trying to communicate to people, it has to fit within the, the framework of the overall Bible-wide story and message of the good news about Jesus and his kingdom. See, that's the only... Listen, listen, family. That's the only message... The Holy Spirit is interested in making go viral to the world. Whatever else you have to say has to point back, has to connect like spokes on a wheel, back to the gospel of Jesus and his kingdom. Or else, don't hold your breath. The Holy Spirit's not interested in making it go viral. Period. Listen to what Jesus says. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, and then shall the end come. So whatever we have to say has to connect with that. Yeah? Oh, but watch this. There's one more thing. Mm. There's one more thing. The Bible says that they heard this message, the good news about Jesus and his kingdom, and they believed, yes. But what happened when they believed? What's next? When people believe this good news that we preach... What's next? What happens? Come with me. Verse 41. Verse 41, here's what the Bible says. So then those who had received his word, this is Peter now, that he just got through preaching the good news about Jesus. Then, so then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day they were, they were added about 3,000 souls. That was just counting men. There were women and children. It could have been up to 15 thousand people. They were continually 
devoting themselves. Listen, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's, by the way, just the Bible-wide message of the gospel, the scripture in the light of the gospel. And fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all the believers were together and had all things in common. And they would sell their property and possessions and share them with all to the extent that anyone had need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity, or a version may say simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. Listen, and the Lord. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. See, once they believed, they were immediately brought into a four-step, how many steps? A four-step pathway to discipleship or disciple-making. Are you hearing me? And it looks like this. Watch this. Step one. Step one. <clears throat> they believed and were baptized, right? Entering into a relationship with Jesus. They believed the good news and they were baptized. Step one. Step two. They entered into small group community from house to house, which included the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Flowing out of that experience. Here's step three. Here's what happened next. They served out of spirit, they served out of spirit empowered gifts according to the needs of others. Did you see that in the text? Spirit-empowered, gifting the needs of others. Step four. Out of their united, joy-filled, small group community, they gained favor with people, which then led Jesus to lead them to multiply disciples. It says, as the Lord added... In that context, in that type of community, the Lord added. They started to multiply disciples, house to house, in that small group experience. Listen, family, the Holy Spirit is trying to position us. And if you've heard anything from me since I've been here and in these even recent months, I've been sounding like a broken record. When it comes to small groups, what we call grow groups, and what it's, when it comes to this four-step process, it's, it's just biblical. Yeah? Because here's, here's what happened. When we get serious about intentionally seeking the Holy Spirit in prayer, united in prayer, then what the Holy Spirit's going to do is that those who believe, we will bring those who believe into vibrant disciple-making community. We will bring those who believe into vibrant disciple-making community. That's what we see here. If we want to know what's going to happen, we need to look at what happened. And I want you to think about it this way as we get ready to close. It's, it's, it's the difference between a menu and a map. 
the difference between a menu, like when you go to a restaurant, and a map when you're trying to drive somewhere and you need directions. Many churches, what they do when people believe and they want to join their church, they provide them very much like a menu. Here's a variety of ministries and activities that you can choose an option that you like so that you can be connected and stay active and, and feel a part of the body of Christ. Familiar to anybody? However, when you look at the life of Jesus and ministry of Jesus in the New Testament church, what you actually see and what it's pointing us to, calling us as followers of Jesus to emulate and, and model, it's providing more of a map, a pathway, some steps, right, to spiritual growth that leads to disciple-making as a follower of Jesus. That's what's happening. And family, it's literally coming right out of the life of Jesus. Allow me just to briefly summarize that for you. When Jesus, step one, right, believe, get baptized, what happened at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry at the Jordan? What did he do? He was, he was what? Baptized in water, was he not? And of course, at his baptism, the Holy Spirit anointed him as Messiah, yes? What happens when we get baptized here? Baptized in water and the Spirit. What happened on the day of Pentecost? The Holy Spirit came down on the church collectively. It was just repeating what happened in the life of Jesus. But what happened right after Jesus was baptized? Well, guess what he started to do in John chapter 1, which, by the way, covers the first 18 months of his ministry. Most of the other Gospels skip that after his baptism and rush to his ministry in Galilee. So the first 18 months, what do you see? Not only was he baptized, but then he also now is baptizing others, but the disciples are the one doing the baptism, right? But after they're baptized, what immediately starts to happen? Jesus starts to assemble a small group of disciples. Are you seeing this? He didn't immediately go and say, all right, we need a mega church here now. We need a, a big auditorium. We need to go to the biggest synagogue in town. Everybody that's baptized, everybody cram into the building. First thing he did, form small group community himself. And I want to suggest to you that's what started to happen with everybody else that started to follow him. After the 18 months, the disciples are kind of part-time following Jesus, if you read the Gospels carefully. It's not until after John the Baptist is put into prison, read the Desire of Ages as well, that the ministry shifts to, to Galilee, and then he now sees the other disciples, the, 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 the disciples, same disciples, his small group of disciples, fishing. Remember the whole miracle of the fish, right? They couldn't catch anything, and Peter says, okay, Jesus, we'll go ahead and take your word, and we'll fish. It's through that fishing miracle that Jesus now brings them into the third step. He says, look, don't worry, Peter. He says, look, I will make you what? Fishers of men. How is he doing that? He's now, after that story, he's now going to take them with him, and he's going to show them how he himself does miracles of healing, teaching, preaching, socializing with people, Meeting people's needs through the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. And then guess what he does after that? He sends them to do the same. What's the result of that? Jesus in Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10 covers the story there. That Jesus sends out the twelve. Then he sends out a little bit later, as it gets closer now, the last year and last months leading up to the cross. He then sends out the seventy. Because the 12 became 70. We should have time to break that down numerically. They were, they were being disciples that make 
other disciples. And Jesus' teaching during that time as they're now making disciples is all about self-sacrificing love. You put those two together, you make disciples in your spheres of influence as you are, as you're meeting the needs of people through your gifts, you're interacting with people. And you're going to start to build relationships, trusted relationships with people that God has all ordained for you to connect with. And you now, in the spirit of self-sacrificing love, are going to essentially replicate yourself. Whatever you know about Jesus in the Word, share. As the Spirit gives you opportunity with those people, you just share. And bring them into small group community. What did I just share with you just now? Here's what I shared with you. Our mission statement. Coming right out of the life of Jesus, the New Testament. Reaching out in love to make disciples for Jesus Christ. That's what I just shared with you. That's what I just walked you through. And what does that look like for us? They receive his love when they come here and they respond to the message. And they say, I want to get baptized. I want to enter into a relationship with Jesus. I believe the gospel. Amen. And then guess what they need to do? Step two. Then they need to grow in love in a small group community. It may take the form of Sabbath school or some of our grow group options and more that we need. Amen. <laughs> and then out of that community of love and growing in Jesus, then guess what they need? They need to know what their spiritual gifts are and be released into those ministries here at the church or just how they serve in their life or profession in their spheres of influence so they can interact with the people that Jesus stepped for wants them to disciple and love. Receive his love. Grow in love. Reach out in love. Disciple in love. Because Jesus said we'll be known by our love. Amen. <laughs> this is what the Holy Spirit is seeking to produce in us, family. Th what I just shared with you, it's no mystery. It's right there in the Bible. If we get intentional, we get serious about coming together, uniting in prayer, seeking the Holy Spirit, the latter rain outpouring of the Holy Spirit, this is what it produces. No mystery. This is what it produces. So the question is, are we serious? I know we have a prayer ministry. And we pray in our grow groups. There's prayer meeting, by the way, on Wednesday night. But do we collectively sense right now? Are you sensing in this world right now? We need to be praying. And we need to be praying for the Holy Spirit. Because I'm telling you, we're not going to make it without him. And he's our greatest need. And you know why? Because the Holy Spirit's primary responsibility is to lift up Jesus. And then form you into the likeness of Jesus. That's his whole ministry. Anything else is revolving around that. So are you hungry for Jesus? Because if you're hungry for Jesus, you should be seeking the Holy Spirit. Somebody here today says, I want to, I want to respond. I want to, I want to start getting serious. I want to start seeking the Holy Spirit. For as long as I remember, since I've been here at Vienna, I have been praying in my own, just in my own daily life, for the Holy Spirit to be poured out among us. I'm inviting you to do the same. Who wants to join me with that? Who wants to join me in seeking the, someone standing in the back? Thank you. Hallelujah. Who wants to join me in seeking the Holy Spirit? There is no problem that we face right now that won't be solved if we all start seeking the Holy Spirit. I know there's 10 days of prayer programs. That's great. 
We need more than 10 days. We're in the last days. Now we need to be praying. I mean, I'm just, I'm keeping it real with you. I'm wrapping up. There are some things that I'm facing right now in my life, just personally, that sometimes when these things hit me, I look at everything that's on my plate, and I just go, <laughs> I'm going to pray. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. I don't have the intelligence to figure it all out. Have you gotten there yet? You need him. We need him. And we need to be praying and seeking him together. Who wants to receive Jesus today? Yeah, you want to receive him for the first time. You want to receive him afresh, the second, the third time. I don't care. Receive him. Because in receiving him, guess who else you receive? You receive the gift. You get the Holy Spirit. And you get the Holy Spirit. And you get the Holy Spirit. All of you receive the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Living for Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend his reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.